And this is Eddie, host of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It's almost it's almost as if when I press record, it's like my cats <laughs> they know. As soon as I slightly close the door and press record, they walk into the studio and they have to be a part of the show. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Super excited to have Ian Ketterer on the show this week. So I actually, I met Ian about probably eight, nine years ago up in Seattle. I was on a tour up to the Northwest with my drummer, Adam, and we had a show at the Rendezvous in Seattle. And they played after us. It was a cool venue, and he was just a cool guy, and I really dug their sound I mean, Instagram didn't exist at the time, so we obviously must have, I think we exchanged Facebook information or Twitter or something, and we sort of just like, I mean, we didn't talk regularly or anything, but we just stayed in touch uh, every now and again. And I have to say, over the last couple years, I've been really blown away at the progress of his band. Uh, They're called Among Authors. They're on tour right now. Uh, They're playing, they played a KEXP show in Seattle. Uh, probably sometime in the last year or so. I don't remember exactly the dates, but you'll hear it on the show. And KEXP is kind of a big deal. And Kevin Cole is a DJ up there and he'll tell the story, but he got a hold of the record and heard the band and he invited them on the show. Um, and they're now playing the NPR Tiny Desk concert in Washington, D.C. over the next couple of weeks. And that's that's also a pretty big deal. And I think I'm bringing this up because they're not signed. He doesn't have a manager. There's no PR. And these are things... That he's they, that they've been able to create on their own, which is fucking amazing, and it's really cool. And I just want people to check them out and see them live, listen to the record. Uh, they're doing some shows in the Midwest. I'm also bringing this up right now because you know I just Spotify and Napster. They have they. I mean, I don't want to say they've ruined the music industry, but they ultimately changed it in such a huge way. And while I don't think spending $17, dollars $18 on a CD, I mean, that that's what we used to spend back in like the 80s and 90s. That That is kind of a little bit excessive, especially when a lot of records only had one good song on them. This idea of spending $10 a month on getting all the music that you want, it's, all, it's not a great solution at all. And I realize that Spotify isn't going anywhere. I realized iTunes tried to create something by doing the 99 cents per song, which I thought was really cool, but ultimately people don't want to pay for music anymore. So what that means is bands like Ian's, among authors, you know, they, it ends up affecting their bottom line. If, if that extra money for the record, $10 for a record, $15 a record that they could get, I mean, they could use that money to make a new album. Um, to spend money on gear to help record a record. So I'm bringing this up because it's fucking amazing how much they've accomplished on their own without selling tons of records, tons of albums. They're doing it all on their own. The problem is, is that they also have to have like day jobs and they can't spend time making music, making a new record. It takes like forever to make music and make songs now because bands now have to like get a second job or they have to like do all their promotion or do all their videos or do all of their 
shit on Instagram to get people out to their shows. And while, you know, people could easily respond, well, tough luck, you know, that's just shit they have to do. Well, back before Napster and Spotify, bands, the whole music industry was different and bands would pay you know, a PR person, they would pay a manager who would then get a cut of like the albums or the shows. And there was a system in place and now there is no system. So now artists have to do everything themselves, which artists really should be primarily working on their craft, getting better at songwriting, getting better at guitar playing. But now in 24 hours a day, they have to sort of micromanage their time and spend a little bit of time on making music, a little bit of time on social media, a little bit of time reaching out to venues to like get gigs. And it's just, there's only so much time in a day. So I'm bringing all this up because bands like Ian's, I want people to find out about them so that they can get a manager or they can get a PR person or just have a little bit helping hand on the side that can propel their career and get it going even more. So they've been able to do all this shit on their own. But imagine how much more they could get done if they had a kick-ass PR person, a manager, who took care of the bookings, took care of the road shit, took care of getting their records heard across the country so that they can keep making more music. And then that's sort of the process that we want. So anyway, it's just, it's a, it's a different time now, I get it, but it's, it's sort of this strange um, conundrum that I think a lot of artists run into now. You know, how much time should I spend on social media? How much time should I spend in the studio recording records? How much time should I spend writing songs? I mean, it's just, it's a juggling act now, and I don't have the answer yet, but I think it's important for people like me to let people like you know about cool bands, cool artists, because, um, yeah, people need to know about these guys. So they're based in Seattle. They're on tour, they're playing Tiny Desk Concert, type in Among Authors and KEXP and YouTube and check out their live show from the KEXP radio station up in Seattle. Um, It was just really cool to connect with Ian again. I haven't seen him in a long time and just sort of hear his story and hear what he's up to and just brought me back sort of some memories of when I was on the road doing these shows. And that's the cool thing about being on the road and in a band. You get to meet like cool people, cool bands, cool artists, fans, and it's just, it's a great experience. So check them out. They're going to be on the road over the next few weeks. And I really hope you enjoy my conversation that I had with Ian. He's the lead singer of the band Among Authors. Oh, and most of the music you're hearing, I mean, I think I added a couple little things throughout the episode, like a little synth lines or something here and there. But the songs that you hear on the episode, they're all from his band, Among Authors. He's the lead singer. Check him out. Great to see you. Yeah, how the fuck have you been? Um, I've been, I've been great. It's been really good. I haven't seen you since you played the rendezvous. Kat, I was wondering if you remembered the name of the of the venue because I forgot. I don't forget like any show. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah. But I distinctly remember that one. Why why do you distinctly remember that show? Uh because you guys we like just got to Seattle pretty I think we were I don't know how long we were in Seattle, maybe a year or two. Okay. And I think you were the first 
band we played with that was out of state. Okay. In uh, LA of all places, and and you guys really impressed me. I mean, so wow, That's... it was uh, yeah. I, I won't forget that show. I thought that venue was really cool. I liked it a lot. And I remember it's, I, I was really impressed. I'm not just saying this because obviously I wanted to ask you to talk on the show, but <laughs> I specifically remember seeing you guys afterwards and hanging out. Cause a lot of times we wouldn't necessarily stay and watch the band after we would just sort of like go get yeah, some drinks yeah. or whatever. And it's just cool that what's amazing to me is to see what you guys have been doing over the last like year or two. I feel like the last like two years, it's really started to pick up some steam and you're, you got on KEXP and, and you've got a tour, you've got a tour coming up very soon and you're going to be playing the tiny desk concert and which I think they're in, in Washington or something or they're East. Yeah. Yeah. They're in DC. DC. Yeah. There we go. I mean, this tour is basically, built around that show okay it's just been like a lot of slow 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 progress until actually you know it really didn't nothing really felt like progress until we had our album down like two years ago yeah and then i was like oh shit we we actually have like a product (laughs) it feels good (laughs) right yeah we actually have a thing that we made in our basement (laughs) and and then no one was really paying attention to it even then it was kind of just like a you know, it was out and, you know, we got some good reception from like friends and stuff. Sure. And then, then like a year and a half later, I mean, we wouldn't have even been on KEXP's radar if we didn't submit to the NPR Tiny Desk concert well, or like contest. Well, how did Kevin, oh wait, because I was going to ask you, how did Kevin Cole over at KEXP like find out about you guys? Yeah, so it's funny, we... We gave them like four of our albums, like right when they released it, you know, like yeah. two years ago. And yeah. it just never saw the light of day. I think it's in some fucking bottomless pit in there. Of course, that's what <laughs> happens. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, but then we submitted to the NPR Tiny Desk Contest. Okay. Uh, well, we tried to submit in 2016, I think, and we missed the deadline by 10 minutes because. <laughs> We were working on the video all day, and then it fucking took forever to render. Okay. So we're like, here we go. And then, like, it was like 11.55. Like, oh, shit, come on, render, render, render. And then we missed it by, like, 10 minutes. But then, so the next year, we submitted the same video we had tried to submit the year before. Okay. And someone got back to us from NPR. They're like, yeah, you can't do that because this video, like, dated a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, but... But, like, we didn't submit it. We made it. We tried to submit it. So we kind of explained everything. Right. And then she had us resubmit it under... She had us, like, add, like, a zero to our email address or something. Okay. Some weird thing that allowed us to use the same email address and receive emails from them, but it would count as a different email address address for them. Okay. And she had us, like, resubmit. So you're playing Tiny Desk Concert over the next, like, six weeks or something. So this is a whole other time that you submitted. So this was for the contest. And then... Right. And and this was last year. And we didn't, obviously, win the contest. Um, okay. Naya Izumi, I think, was the winner last year. Got it. I so you didn't, you didn't win, but... So yeah. I, but obviously Kevin yeah. must found out what like what happened. So yeah, so we didn't win, but when 
when the winner wins, they <laughs> take them on tour. Um, NPR takes the winner on tour, and okay. so when they got to Seattle to play that showcase show, okay. NPR reached out to us because they liked the video we had submitted, even Amazing. though we didn't win. Okay. So they asked us if we wanted to do this showcase show, and of course, we're, like I didn't even ask my band. I'm just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> 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 You're going to do something. Yeah. The funny thing is the showcase show for NPR was at the KEXP gathering space. Okay. So that put us on the KEXP stage, and Kevin Cole was hosting the NPR showcase at the sh- at the KEXP stage with Bob Boylan, the founder of Tiny Desk. Right. So that's how we got in front of Kevin. Okay. And, and for people who don't know, um, Kevin Cole is a pretty pretty big DJ up at up in Seattle. And KEXP is, is, I'd say, it's an NPR radio station very similar to KCRW down here in L.A. It really does a great job of um, breaking artists and being, uh, you know, not just following a format, top 40 kind of thing. They're really all about supporting art, artistry and finding yeah. sort of like the next cool band. So um, that's, just, that's yeah. just fucking awesome. And, and, and so was it around this time? When they invited you on to the KEXP, um, the show that I that I posted on uh, Facebook today. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so this was when we did the show when we did the NPR showcase show at the KEXP uh, gathering space. That was in June of 20, 2018. Okay. Um, so last year in June. Right. Uh, and when we were going into that show, like a month prior. Like we were telling ourselves, okay, like we're gonna do two things. We're gonna we're gonna get a KXP session out of this show, and yeah. we're gonna get a Tiny Desk wow. Tiny Desk concert out of this show. Uh-huh. And we we're kind of like joking, yeah. But we're like, we'll just you know, we just gotta talk to them and play our shit right and yeah. not fuck it up, and you know, things will happen. And then we we're like, pretty much, I was joking when I was saying, I'm like, that shit's never gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because we were like trying to get on KXP for like a year and a half, and no, no one gave a shit. Right. Um, but it, I, I wouldn't even say they didn't give a shit. They just—it's hard to pay attention to a band just from a recording. Um, yeah. Especially a band like us who made the recording in their basement. Right. Which it sounds as good as we could make it sound. I think the, I've listened to the record. It sounds great. But, but I can see, but being a, that I'm a producer and a musician, you know, it, it did not have that like pristine quality to it that, you know, I would recognize from like a Coldplay record or something. Oh, like yeah. That. Yeah. It doesn't have that like, you know, you know, $40,000 polish. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> but that's, but that's, see, that's the reality that a lot of people, you know, that aren't in bands or artists. And this is what sort of, I'm, we can go down this later. There's so many avenues I want to go down, but a lot of people who look like just, you know, spend $99 a month on I, on iTunes or $9 a month on Spotify, you know, these people don't realize normally the amount of cost, the reason why records sound so great and why Ed Sheeran's record sounds so great is because a lot of money was, was put into the process. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't come free. So. But I think, you know, Kevin and people um, 
who can sort and I again it makes sense to me since Kevin has really good ears and he's been in the industry I think he could he was able similar to me you know I was able to hear past oh it doesn't sound like you know uh, an Ed Sheeran record or Major Lazer or something but you can hear that these guys definitely have something going on I think that for us it was all about playing in front of them yeah you know I, I, th- I think had we not been able to do that I, I don't know I, I don't know if I think if we didn't play in front of both Bob and Kevin, we would have had neither of those things happen to us. We would not have had a KXP session, and we would not have had a, a, a Tiny Desk concert. Yeah. But it, it just wouldn't have happened, you know? And I, I think for years I kept telling our band, like, the one thing I knew is if we could just play in front of people, just, you know, get in front of people somehow. Yeah. Somehow. Like, I believed in that part. Well, it makes sense. I want to backtrack. Uh, but I think it's perfect timing, perfect segue to actually play a, my favorite song off the record. Um, it's called Mr. Bitter Truth. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me on the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral. I'm talking to the lead singer, Ian Ketterer. Am I pronouncing the last name right? Yeah. Yeah, Ketterer, yeah, cool. I, mean, you, you, I think you pronounce it better than I do. So. All right, great. Yeah, this track, it's called Mr. Bitter Truth. The, uh, what's the name of the record? That uh, I Am Become. There we go, I Am Become. So yeah, this is from Among Authors. The song's called Mr. Bitter Truth.
Have you heard the first um, Muse record? Uh, yeah, I have. Like, I haven't I, in a while. Yeah, I think it's like called Muscle Museum or something. Um, might be right. Yeah. I saw Muse in Los Angeles on that first record at the Roxy, and there was literally like twenty-five people there. And I was blown away by that album. But for whatever reason, when I listen to this song specifically, I hear, I, I hear muse like early. I hear, I hear early muse. I like how your stuff rocks, but, um, there's intimacy to it, sensitivity. And I also love how you incorporate the Fender Rhodes sound and the guitars and the piano. I mean, so it's just, it's just, it's got a really cool vibe and, well, thank you. I mean, see, that's what I liked about your stuff. And when you play with us at the rendezvous, yeah, like the the vibe you guys put out was fucking great. Yeah, it was sort of. So it's, I, it's, that, that's why I won't forget that show. It was sort of a similar. It was cool that we played together that night because I don't know who booked it or if it was just a random thing where we were there on the night that you guys were doing a show, but. Um, there was just a similar kind of vibe between. Yeah, just, yeah. it was cool. I know you've got like the the show you're actually playing Tiny Desk concert for NPR. When's the date of that? Uh, so the the date will be in DC. Doing that will be June twentieth. Are you renting a van? Or how are you? Because I know you. I think your first show's in Cleveland, right? Yeah. So okay, I'll explain that. Logistically, we didn't want to do it this way, but um, we found out that we got the Tiny Desk way back in September of 2018. And we were hush hush on it for like months because we still didn't have the date confirmed. Right. We just knew for Bob that he wanted to get us there, so like we couldn't say anything. And I told Bob, you know, like we probably this was a risk, and I was afraid to do it, but I felt like we needed to. I actually responded to Bob I was like, we definitely want to do this, but we shouldn't do it till next year hmm. um, because we just there was. We wanted to see if we could do like a tour around it, and doing a tour that quick, planning it last year wouldn't have worked. So, yeah. so I told him that, and he's like, "Okay, cool, just write back to me in January of 2019." So January came around, and wrote him, and I didn't hear back from him for a little bit because he's super busy. Um, and then he finally got back to me, and and I was like, "Hey, Bob, how does May 2019 sound?" Um, um, that way, because we, so after I wrote them back in January, first time, we actually ended up getting a festival in Indianapolis in May. Um, so that's why I was telling him, like, we should do this around May. He's like, oh, yeah, I can't do May. I can do June. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so we already had the Indianapolis festival booked in May. And now we had to book this DC thing in June. Like, shit, what are we going to do now? Yeah, you got to fill so, the time. <laughs> yeah. So we, let's see what happened. So my brother, who's also in the band, right. Jay, uh-huh. um, he, he drove the van out to Wisconsin, which is where my parents live, which mm-hmm. is where we're from originally. Right. Um, so then we flew into Chicago. He picked us up. And we drove to Indianapolis and played that festival for the weekend. So he drove us back up to Chicago. We all flew back to Seattle. And Jay drove the van back up to Wisconsin and left it there with all of our equipment in it. And then flew back himself to Wisconsin because we had a festival in Spokane, Washington. We had to also play at the end of, or at the beginning of June. So 
we borrowed a bunch of equipment from friends to play the festival on June 1st in Spokane since we all of our shit's now in Wisconsin. Yeah. And now just recently, as of yesterday, Jay flew back to Wisconsin and is going to be taking the van with all of our shit in it and driving to Cleveland, and we're going to fly to Cleveland. Okay, and start the tour from there. We have a 2006 Dodge Sprinter. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, and we built a bed in the back, so two people sleep on the, the, the seats, the long seats, and then um, we have a bed in the back that actually covers the whole back, so you can't see any of the equipment. All the equipment goes underneath the bed. Good idea. Um, Here's a perfect story where when you're an up-and-coming band and still not a lot of people know about you, although, you, but you can't say no to an opportunity like Tiny Desk Concert. You have to do it. Yeah, you just figure it out. Yeah, you got to figure it out. And you've got that festival in Indianapolis. You got to figure it out. You got to just do it. And you're, yeah. you're, if it means that you're going to sleep in a van, if it means you're going to like eat peanut butter sandwiches every day for two weeks. I actually do that every, every, every day. There we so, go. Yeah. So I mean, it's just, but that's the thing. It's sort of like, it's this ba- passion for music. You love to play live. You love to do it more than anything. And really now the only way to get seen is, you know, music videos, being on the road, touring, because people aren't really bought, people aren't buying music anymore. So you got to no. get, you got to get out there. You're right. People don't buy music. No. You know, they, no. they just, they don't, but there st- there still are those people that when they're at the show, they're like, I'm not even going to use this, but I'm going to buy it because yeah. you made it and I want to support you. So, I mean, well, I, I got to tell you the super fast story because I'm just thinking about it because you're talking about festivals and then I want to backtrack to how you guys started, how you, how you ended up in Seattle. Remember the, the festival bumper shoot up in Seattle? Oh yeah. That's going on this year too. God, that, that online platform where something kit where you can like create a press kit i forget the name of it oh man uh reverb nation <laughs> no that was the other one so anyway, oh, there's a oh, sonic bits yes sonic bits so I, you're gonna oh, love you're that. gonna love this story i used because so- i always wanted to play a festival i used sonic bits because you can use sonic bids at back of the time to submit yeah. to festivals across the country I know they're really good at taking all your money. Yeah, well, I sub- <laughs> I submitted this is like five years ago to Bumbershoot, and like a month later, and I was also sort of connected with some radio people up there, and not they they were like, yeah, you got to do it. They're really good about like getting bands from outside the state and yada yada. I get an email through Sonic Bids congratulating me on getting admitted to the fucking festival and i'm like literally like freaking out i'm posting shit on facebook i'm so fucking pumped up and excited a day later i get an email from them saying it was a fucking mistake oh my god that's the worst dude uh, it dude, was dude, fuck up man I would, did you use did you ever use sonic bids again no I like fuck that I, that was like that was it <laughs> oh, oh man, so fuck that. fucking mad! You, like advertised it already. That's the worst. That was like one of my dreams, like to just play a festival and all that sort of stuff. I cannot fear what I don't. All I know 
So you're from you're from Wisconsin, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just tell me this. Let me hear, like, what was your childhood like in the sense that, like, were you playing piano from a really young age? And it's you and your brother in the band now. But sort of, what was like, what was your um, scene like when you were a kid? Yeah. So my I played. So I didn't play piano until I was like. Uh, 18, 17. Okay, so you were you were sort of a late bloomer, also. It's interesting because I was—I mean, I played piano when I was three, and I played drums when I was twelve. But I really didn't start writing songs until I was like twenty-two or twenty-three. Here you are, not playing piano until um, you're eighteen. I yeah, you know, and the funny thing is, when I played, when I started piano, I started writing right away. Like that's the actually the only thing that interested me when I started piano is that. Like oh there's an instrument I can just like start writing on and yeah. not cause, not because I was good at it I just I it 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 was like an, I don't know piano is like that instrument where you just for me anyways I can't speak for anyone else you can just sit at it and just pluck away at notes and be like oh this is like I don't even need a good technique right now I can just hit a thing and it makes a noise yeah and. I can start thinking of ideas instantly. I was, I mean, I was in high school band and okay. earlier growing up playing trumpet. Um, hated it. Uh, I quit my junior year in high school, and that's kind of when I started. So maybe it was seventeen when I started playing piano because I kind of started right after I quit band in high school. Okay. Um, growing up, I was in my parents' band. Um, like young when I was, I don't know. 13 or something i played trumpet they had a cover band um okay and so you had obviously obviously you guys you you were in a house where there was music happening and your parents oh yeah yeah my dad was in bands like his whole life and and it kind of just morphed like everyone in my band or everyone in my family plays uh my sister actually played piano my sister julia um like she's a really good piano player and I don't know. I just like one day, and she played. And so the cover band that we had was called Rapunzel. Okay. And everyone had long hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was the whole family basically, except my brother Jay. He was kind of like he's the youngest in the family, so he just like walked around with like a flashlight, pretending like he was like working on stage and shit. But, right. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> so my sister Julia played piano in, in that band growing up, and I don't. I think just one day I was like that instrument looks like I might be able to play it. So then I just started fucking around on it. Yeah. I, that, that's how I learned, I guess. Wow. So you no know lessons. You just sort of played by ear. Yeah. Oh yeah. I do everything by ear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, not in a braggadocious way, just cause I really, <laughs> I hate the idea of thinking about reading something. So sure. I like, that's what I hated in band. Like a lot. I, it just, it slowed my thought process down. 
Yeah. You know, and so I don't know when I when I got to the piano, I was like, oh, I don't have to read anything. I can just like start listening to stuff and not caring about anything because I'm not in band anymore. I can just do whatever I want. Now, did you go to college in Wisconsin? Uh, I mean, I went to tech school for a year and okay. failed almost every class. So the music thing really sort of became the focus, and and you know, back in that, there was like one moment in my high school life that I think I will just never forget. We had multiple. I think it was three three people die in a car accident when I was in high school. That were all students of that high school, and one of a few of them actually I was pretty good friends with. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like right when I started learning how to play piano. Went and talked to the principal and got this thing together for the auditorium where I was like, hey, I just want to play one song for the whole school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, <laughs> I learned an Ozzy Osbourne song. Okay, <laughs> um, on piano. <laughs> it, yeah, well, it made sense though. It was, um, okay. I think it was Screamer. Okay. Uh, I don't know why I learned that song, but anyways, that was the one I <laughs> decided I was going to do. And after I was done, my English teacher came up to me and she's like, you shouldn't go to college. You should do music. Wow. Just play music. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I went to college anyways for a year and hated it. But, but I never forgot that yeah. because it was English. She should have never told me that. Like it, it wasn't the politically correct thing for her to do was to tell me to never go to college. Um, yeah. And and I don't even know if she meant never go to college. She just was like, just pl- just play music, just write music, play music. And I think that was just like that kind of was ingrained in me forever, and still is. So I, that was kind of what I, the one thing I needed to hear from like a person that actually taught me other things in school. That it's like, oh yeah, I can do whatever the fuck I want. It's. I mean, I remember. Um this girl that I went to high school with got into a car accident. She was paralyzed from the waist down. Mm-hmm. And I remember this other guy, um, I, I suddenly can't remember his name, but his dad committed suicide. And it's just, it's funny how that stuff really um, just takes its toll and really just sort of just, it, it this cloud just encompasses over your, your little community. Yeah, it, it, yeah, especially, you know, when when you live in a town of like 5,000 people, it was just the when you see the when you see the families that are dealing with mm, it. Yeah. It's it's you you can never know what's going on in their head unless it happens directly to you, you know, and it's just it it's insane to to have someone there once and then just they're not there anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I felt, I guess, like someone should do something. Hmm. So since I was learning how to play piano, I was like, yeah, why the hell not? I'll do something. (laughs) Did you form a band at this point? Yeah, so I formed the band in 2006. Okay. Under a different name. In fact, when we played with you, we played as Faintly. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I can't yeah, believe I remember. Yeah, it wasn't called Among Authors yet. But, yeah. Um, but uh, I formed the band in 2006, and 
we kind of like just got the band totally together all members and we were just we were practicing and i had like six shows the first six shows booked and yeah i had to cancel all of them because dude just one night i was like man my fucking stomach hurts i don't know why i don't know why and i like when this is when i still lived with my parents okay so like yeah mom i think i need to like I think I need to go to the hospital or something. Yeah. <laughs> we can take you. Like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. Just stomach feels super weird. And we went and uh, they they shot like bubbles through my heart and stuff and looked at it. And they kind of basically gave me a clean bill of health. And then they were like, yeah, you could, you could go get it checked out somewhere else if you're not confident. But you seem fine to us. And it's like, okay. And then... It was like a week or two later or something. It was it was still weird and like my my wife at the time um, she would like had her head on my chest uh-huh. and she's like your heart sounds really fucking weird. I'm like okay, like and so I listened to it the stethoscope. I'm like oh yeah, it sounds like a fucking machine or something. It was like huh. it sounded su- it sounded real strange. Like it did not sound healthy. Yeah. Um, so we went and got another opinion, and they didn't let me leave the hospital. They, they, they basically called a ton of other doctors in. Like you have to fucking listen to this dude's heart. Yeah. So at that point, like I was there for like I think a week or two while they were still trying to figure out what was actually going on. And wait, what and, then, and what was the official? What was wrong? What was the official diagnosis? I had, I just had an aneurysm um, that they think was because I had a weak spot in my heart okay. forever. Okay. And it blew up basically. And I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've had a lot of health, weird health stuff growing up. So it doesn't, it doesn't really surprise me that that happened. And I don't know what's going to happen later in life. So yeah, who knows? You just keep keep going because I got a lot of shit to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, when did this happened, what? You were like 23 or something? 23, yeah, 2008. Um, wow. Yeah, and so the, the funny thing is but right before I went to get the second opinion, which is when they kept me there, um, I remember playing – I was playing FIFA with my brother <laughs> at my parents' house joking around about him that I'm going to need open heart surgery. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to fucking go there and they're going to make me stay. I'm going to like, I'm going to be like dying and they're going to need to do open heart surgery. And he's like, oh yeah. Yeah. I think like it was the next day that we went and then they just told us all this shit. I'm like, oh fuck, this is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, dude, it was, it was crazy because they collapsed both your lungs and stuff. So they, which they didn't tell me. So when I got out, I, I had to like build my lungs back up um, wow. to, to sing again. And so that took like a month or so. I forget exactly how long. Um, but then after that, I booked most, I think it was most of the shows that we had booked prior that I had to cancel. So th- after that is when we, I moved to Seattle. Um, just like, yeah, I, well, I need to get the fuck out of Wisconsin.
fear what I don't know. All I know is what it feels like when fear has overgrown and taken hold. It comes and goes. It comes and goes. Like something happened with your ear or something? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So <laughs> you're like, I've got, a, I've got a list here. So let's go through it. <laughs> Jeez. All right, here we go. Here we go. Um, yeah. So I was born basically with without an ear on my right side. Um, wow. And I'm completely deaf on my right side. Um, I also was born without a thumb on my right side. So. So you actually play the piano without your thumb. Correct. Wow. Yeah. That's fucking um, crazy to think about. You know, and it's all relative, you know? Like, since since I didn't lose it when I was, you know, 20, it, you know, I found ways to work around it. Interesting. But, you know, growing yeah. up. Um, the, the being deaf in my right side, though, that was really... I didn't really notice the limitation on it until I was mixing our record, because hmm. um, I, I mixed our record. So I had to learn weird ways to get the stereo mix how I wanted it, because uh, I perceive I perceive everything as quiet and loud. Um, I, I can't, you know, when, if there's a room full of people, they're all coming in my left side. Like it just sounds like they're all, you know. Yeah. When I'm mixing a record, I have to turn my good ear towards both speakers so I can I can perceive, you know, how things are working. Like when I listen to records from like Radiohead who have ridiculous mixing techniques in in their shit where half the song is on the fucking right speaker only. Right. So when, when I'm listening to headphones and I haven't summed it down to mono, I don't fucking hear half their song. But for me, list like listening in my car that isn't in mono, I can like the car's a good actually a really good place for me to hear stereo because it's so confined. So I can really hear the loudness difference between you know, the left and right speakers of my car. Um, yeah. Rather than being in a big room where it's, you know, it starts to kind of go all around and you can only hear it on one ear. Um, but I used my car a lot and I, especially with bands like Radiohead, those things on the right side just sounded quieter to me. 
um, which I knew why. It's not like they mixed them choir, but I knew why they were like that for right. me. So I started perceiving stereo in that way, and it helped me mix our record. Um, when I started really thinking about why I heard things differently from other people and how I needed to try to compensate to to be able to mix in stereo. It was weird. I'm still learning. But. And like, was because of your thumb on your right hand, was, do you, was that part of the reason why maybe you were a late bloomer when it came to playing? Because you felt like, well, the people that you see playing piano, they have five fingers. I don't know. Did you ever feel like you, there was just no way you no. could do it? or? I never thought that way about anything growing up. Um, and, you know, that's an ode to my parents, hmm. you know, and my family in general. I think had I not had the family I had growing up, I may have given much more thought into, oh, well, fuck, I don't have a thumb, or I can't hear on my right side. I'm I'm totally fucked, you know, but it was never a thing. I never really, you know, there, of course, there was times when people pointed it out, so then I thought about it, you know. Yeah. You know, that shit happens, and it still does to this day, like, all the time, but it's, you know, that's, that's man, that's another rabbit hole I can go down. Yeah. Um, but music-wise and ability-wise, I never, I never really thought about not being able to become as good as someone else with anything. I had a a great upbringing, and I don't I don't know what my parents did or didn't do to make me not think about that stuff all the time. But I, I think they just loved me. Yeah. <laughs> And so they're totally supportive of this of the of the music thing in your life. Oh yeah, yeah they they've they've always been kind of just like do you know do what you want to do just 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 actually do it. I mean, what are you feeling at this point? And then what made you decide to go out to Seattle? So like, if you can remember sort of what your frame of mind is, and then the transition from that world to then picking up and moving out to Seattle. Like when when a lot of people ask me about the heart surgery, I think they, I think they think I'm gonna have like a really like transformative answer, like like oh man, I got a heart surgery, and I'm like, holy fuck, I see the world in a holy like t- totally different perspective, and and I already saw it like that. I think you're probably different because I think a lot of people that have that big moment whether it's heart surgery or divorce or death or something, it's probably their first. And I get the sense that you have been sort of, although the ear and the thumb isn't heart surgery, it, there's there's still both pretty intense sort of things that you have to sort of deal with. So I get the sense that you probably, you were um, probably already experiencing this kind of stuff. You, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I've, I guess, yeah, not only that, I've also had, multiple other surgeries on on my hand or like on my esophagus I was born with esophageal fistula or something where my like they had to connect like the flap in my esophagus when I was born yeah so I couldn't breathe and I had to like build a new one so I yeah you're right I guess I've had a lot of <laughs> weird shit that when I had heart surgery it was like oh another thing yeah yeah <laughs> So when I got out of heart surgery, I was more like, I need to actually do things a little bit quicker because being born with all the shit I was born with and now having heart surgery, 
I don't actually know what's next. It's like, yeah, I, I need to just move, you know. Well, why, like, see, why Seattle? Well, I didn't want to go to Seattle. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to go to Boston. Um, but our bassist at the time didn't want to deal with the snow again. So I love how your bassist is like, no, I'm not going to go to Boston because of the snow. And then you go to Seattle, which has like so much rain. It's like, yes. Dude, I mean, well, I didn't. I wasn't the one who want, didn't want to go to Boston because of the snow. My bassist didn't want to. And then, yeah, he he agreed to go to Seattle. And you're right. It's fucking miserable in the winter. <laughs> like, to me, way worse than snow. I actually fucking love snow. The whole, ba- the whole band, like, went together as a unit to Seattle? So me and Justin, who was the bassist at the time, um, I moved with my then-fiance. Um, okay. And he moved with his girlfriend, Um who he's married to now. Um, and it was just us four. And the other two members that we had couldn't do it. And we knew they weren't probably going to be able to do it. And they were open about it. They're just like, yeah, we, just, we can't. Has it, has it been you, a good spot for you? Two, the first two years in Seattle, I fucking hated it. Yeah. Um, I, I hated it because financially, I just could not get a fucking break. Like, yeah. And that was when Seattle was cheap. Like now it's ridiculous, uh, it's, but it's crazy. Now. Um, it's it's, it's think, insane. Yeah, it's the San Francisco, but yeah, um, I can't imagine another city in the U.S. I actually really would want to live in. Yeah, longer than I've lived in Seattle. You guys, yeah. like, you guys actually came down to L.A. to do a show. I think at the Hotel Cafe, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, we were there in the winter, of February of 2018. Okay, are you? We did. This is a weird question. I can't believe I'm asking you this. Um, are you are you religious? No. Okay. Yeah, I was no, just I'm... I was just wondering like about just the health stuff again and and sort of. Um... No, so I'm not really. I've never been religious at all. Um, I'm I'm someone who anything could happen, kind of person. Like. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't fucking know what's out there. Through all the health stuff, there's only one time, and this is really weird. There's one, it was like right when, I have the picture up actually. Right when they were, I I think it was right when they were like wheeling me from the room I was staying in to the the operating room. Like that was like the night or the day I was going to be operated on. Yeah. I remember thinking, I actually, I literally actually might die today. The air from the window hit the, was like bouncing off the chair mm-hmm. that was sitting next to the window the right way. And when you looked at it, it just literally looked like an angel with wings. And I remember seeing that. I'm like, huh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, getting wheeled away. But that was, that, I think that was the closest I was to like, oh shit, well, I hope something's out there. I think this is a good segment to end. I just, I think, um, I feel like people's interest and curiosity is just going away. I don't think, I think what's in this last segment, we'll talk about social media and the impact it's having on you as a band and the impact that it's having on us as a culture. But I do, 
I can't prove it, but I do feel like it's all connected. Social media creates a a world where everybody thinks they're right. It increases people's egos. It increases narcissism. It makes you just want to stay in your world that feels comfortable. Um, I think it. Yeah. I think it limits the brain. I think it causes the brain to like most of it isn't in use when it's staring at Facebook or Instagram all day. I just, I think it, it, it's creating a culture of zombies. And I I just, I don't think people are really curious or interested to really know the full story anymore. They just want to stick with theirs. So, um, I mean, that's my opinion. What, you know, what's, what's, and this is, you know, I talk about this a lot on the podcast. Um, you know, if you're an artist, which clearly you are, you got to use social media because that's that just makes sense. Um, but I do get the sense that people are just staring at kind of meaningless shit all day. So, you know, what what's your take and and do you find yourself like what's your relationship with social media? I mean, I don't like it, you know. Why not? Like, because it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's just full of, to be honest, I actually don't know why anybody has it if they're not in a band or if they're not trying to push something, you know, a product or something like, I I don't even know why you would have it because it's, I don't know, like I, if I can choose to, I want to be sitting in front of someone talking to them. Yeah. If I can choose to, I want to at least call them. Some sort of actual interaction. Um, And social media doesn't give that to you at all. Um, It just gives you, you know, the likes and the the weirdest part about that, and myself included, and I know I feel like it's got to be everybody at this point, something still happens to you when you get a like. Of course. People like that. And yeah. It doesn't fucking mean anything. I know, and and that's the scary part. When when you start realizing that for yourself, you're like, "Ooh, no, that's uh, I shouldn't be caring about that." Um, that that like feature that Facebook came up with, or whoever did, has changed the fabric of our society forever. Oh yeah, I know, I know. We we were thinking about this one. We were thinking about this one stupid skit that we always pictured to be on, like, Portlandia because they always go off in, like, these weird tangents on that show. Yeah. And we're like, oh, man, they could just do this skit where where someone likes your post and then you like that they liked it and then they <laughs> like that you liked that they liked it. And it just goes on for, like, yes. fucking a half hour and they're so happy that they just keep liking <laughs> Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we've, I mean, I can see why people have become addicted to it because, hey, it, it you know, in your day-to-day life, it feels good to know that, hey, somebody just liked my stupid fucking post and, and I'm going to post another one because it feels good when it, it's it's like we're all little rats and we uh, just are responding like uh, Pavlov's dogs or something. It's, it's, know, it's so I stupid. I, it, it's the worst because I know I need to use it and and I know it's a legitimate tool for what I like what I'm personally trying to do um and you know it it is what it is technology is here and it's going to keep it's going to continue to be here it's going to continue to morph it's going to and you kind of 
you kind of have to embrace it, but at the same time, you really, you really need to be aware of what it's doing to you. You need to be able to like internalize and and really look into yourself and like what your own head is doing, you know. And I yeah. I don't know that a lot of people. I don't know that everyone does that or is capable of doing that. I am out all the time. Like I meet people all the time because I'm playing a show or I'm doing an open mic or whatever. So I have a thing that puts me in front of people where a lot of people don't have that. You know, the majority of people don't have a thing that makes them be in front of people all the time Right. that makes those interactions happen that then makes it easier for those interactions to happen as far as anxiety goes. And so it becomes easier for them, I feel, to be on a screen, you know? Yeah. And I think that that might be the case for me if I didn't have, I, I, actually, I know that would be the case for me if I didn't have music because, I mean, I play music because it, like, with the shit I was born with, it makes me, I'm on stage, I'm like, you know, this shit doesn't matter. I can do this. And, like, I'm literally no different than anybody else. So, if I didn't have that, I think I'd be a little rat on Facebook sitting there going, oh, someone someone liked my picture uh, today. Sweet. And then, but but on the, on the flip side of that, I still wouldn't be interacting with people in a real way because I wouldn't have a thing that would make me do that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's so. it's it you know, it's complicated and a lot. Of, I have friends with a couple of minimalists, and they're like, "Why do you even talk about it?" And the, and the reality is, is that because while there might be people out there that are minimalists that aren't on it, the vast majority of people are, and that landscape is impacting you. It's impacting me. It's impacting people drive now, texting and staring at Facebook while they're driving. People, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it it is affecting every single one of us. I, you know, I'm like you. I, I I I use it to promote podcasts, songs. My my book is done. I'm certainly going to do that. And if I go back out and do more shows, you know, you just it's a way to promote what you're doing. I I can't speak for anybody else, but I feel like at least for myself on social media, I kind of. I mean, whatever people are seeing is like what my life is doing, you know, like it, I'm not really trying to be like, Hey, we just played in front of like 20,000 people when we didn't, and we, you know, we didn't like, and I, I mean, I, and I think when I, when I was saying like, I don't know why people would be even on it if they didn't have a band or something to promote, like, I think I Speaking for myself, like I know I wouldn't be on it if yeah. I didn't have that stuff to try to do. But then, then again, I still post to my my you know my personal Facebook. Well, why do I do that? Yeah, you know. But in in my head, I'm like, okay, well, it's good to be personable when you're in a band too, you know, and, but it's just, a, it's a fucking joke, dude. I mean, honestly, like really what I would, really what I want to do is play music and play shows and hopefully people know about that stuff and they like it or they don't, but definitely the music I'm making is, 
whatever I want to be making, and that's that. Yeah. Definitely is toxic. Have you ever seen the show Catfish? Yeah, well, there was. I think there was a movie called Catfish. Was there? Is there also a show? There, yeah, so there's a movie, and then MTV picked it up for a series. Oh, okay. No, I never. Okay. Yeah, there's like six or seven seasons, and I've watched all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't want to admit that, but you know what? I'm going to. It's okay. Um, I mean, it's all about social media, and yeah. and you know, and meeting people online, and having people basically not be at all who they claim to be and and the saddest part to me is like when I watched Catfish I saw these people that were pretending to be other people for for valid reasons because they had a lot of anxieties on how they looked or they had or or what happened to them before so they didn't you know they were trying to get back at someone or you know like just all this fucked up shit and no matter who you fucking meet, no matter who it is, it's not going to feel that good to you if you're not just honest with them. Yeah. If you, you don't know what that feeling is, and you can't unless you actually know that they actually care about you because they actually care about you. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when I, like, when I met, man, I remember when I met my my wife I was like I literally showed her like a photo book of all the shit I was born with and being in a hospital like ton of hospital pictures I'm like here it is like this is this is me so if you don't want to be with me then you don't have to but you need to know all of this stuff yeah and yeah I think it's just I don't know I'm going off on another 10 but that is so important that I think a lot of people they don't they don't realize why that's important. It's not important just for that other person. No, it's important for you to be true to yourself. You can't like, dude, how the fuck are you going to enjoy yourself or, or love someone else if you can't, you know, I I don't know. Sorry. No, No, don't apologize. I agree with you. Ian, thanks so much for talking to me. Just the band is called among authors. Um, I know you've got the sh- like. When's the, t- the tour starts in Cleveland? When's the first show? Uh, so we fly. So June fifteenth, we fly overnight to Cleveland, land there the sixteenth, and we do a show that night. So okay. June sixteenth in Cleveland. Let's, let's hope that plane's on time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm giving you. Yeah, I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> I, I mean, it lands at like five in the morning. So okay, cool. We we start in Cleveland and we go Cleveland, New York, two nights, Philadelphia, DC, Columbus, Indianapolis, Milwaukee, um, Denver. Oh wow! Uh, Spokane, Portland, and then Seattle. Oh jeez! Yeah, so, so we're doing a little east, then kind of down to the yeah, then back out west. Yeah. Wow. Um, and yeah, you're and, and, and you've booked the whole thing. Yeah, like and your, I, yourself. And I finished like three days ago. We like as a band, we agree. There's no way we could go all the way to DC and not do a national tour. That would yeah, just be stupid. Definitely. So, so yeah. I mean, it it just made sense yeah. to, to try to figure it out. And the nice thing is, I have a band that like 
when I'm like, hey, we should do this thing, everyone's like, yeah, let's figure it out. Yeah. You know, so I'm really lucky to play with the people I play with. Well, the band is called Among Authors, and they're based in Seattle. And uh, lead singer, are you the songwriter primarily also, or are you guys writing them as, as a band? Do you write the lyrics, or what's what's that? Yeah, I write all the lyrics. Okay. Um, and I, on the last record, the first like LP, um, I was the primary songwriter for sure. Um, it'll probably be the case on the next record too, just cause that's just kind of, that's just how it kind of works Yeah. right now anyways. Yeah. Um, but with that said, everyone contributes and everyone, you know, sure. is, is, is writing at some point. Um, well, among authors, you can find them on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, Thanks so much, Ian, for coming on to the show, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast, and just talking music and the band. And um, yeah, thanks thanks for taking the time. Eddie, thank you. Uh, I mean, seriously, like, I feel like I've kind of like known you for fucking ever now. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's been good to catch up just to just to see your face yeah man it's it was it was really cool and um likewise i just think um it's weird the show that we did in seattle that same night social media there was no instagram but facebook and twitter were around and i remember finding you on facebook and Mm. but it, it it sort of was this new thing it wasn't really nobody really knew the impact or what to do with it I know, I know. But honestly, still no one does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it, but it did at least allow us to. I mean, sure, I could have asked for your phone number or something or like that. But it, it sort of it, it it does have this way of connecting people, which is cool. And in, in sort of our case, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's totally true, and that's that's definitely the plus side about social media is staying connected to people. Um, it's just. The thing is, you have to realize that that's the benefit of it, but the reason it's a benefit is so that you can actually be connected to them, right. not so that you can keep being connected to them online. <laughs> right. You know, and yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Ian, thanks again for taking the time to talk to me tonight. Yeah, man. Cool. Putting visions of people I have yet to meet
What's your name? 